All right. So, hey, I'm happy to have uh, have Sam on the show today. Sam Kaufman from um, uh, he's got a bunch of things going on uh, in his uh, in his life. Sam has a remodeling company. Uh, he is a business coach and consultant with WinRate Consulting. And really, you know, I got connected to Sam through a mutual friend, Mike Claudio, who uh, is is another uh, really great leader uh, that's out there in this world. And, um, you know, we got connected, I guess, that way. And uh, I'm excited to have you on the show and, and mix it up with you today. So, Sam, welcome to uh, The Big Ticket Life. Appreciate you. Yeah, th- thank you. I appreciate the invite and uh, the setup. And thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, you know, you've you've started started your business, as I recall it, um, in a van, <laughs> right? I did. That yeah, right? that not a van right. down by the river. No, well, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, so down by the ocean, I guess. Right, um, right. But but yeah, it was. Yeah, man, I I quit my last job and um. I bought a broken down Chevy Express 1500 and and some tools and I had a helper and that was the start of the business. And that's, that was the start. And really what I thought was going to be the whole business, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Isn't that funny how, um, so you started it and you're like, this is going to be great. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to have this boss down my throat. At what point did you realize, oh shit, I just created a job for myself. Uh, when I started hiring people, actually, yeah, I I enjoyed. I went and did what I did because I enjoyed what I do. So, like, I liked doing the trade work at that time. And my my theory was, what I'll do because this guy won't pay me any more money. I have this family to support, so I'll just go do the same job uh, for myself as a subcontractor, and I'll make better money, and I'll control my schedule. And um, you know, come to find out, the control of schedule was thoroughly an illusion. Um, but it was when I started hiring employees that I realized uh, I was caught in this, like, I was caught in this job now. Um, and I sort of had to figure out, I had to get some clarity on what I wanted to do. Because once you start hiring employees, there's this really, really um, awful, bitter spot in small business where you're, you're making less for more work once you start scaling it if you're not scaling it correctly. Right. Yeah, a lot of times I think business owners end up in that in that cycle of all right, I realize I've created a high-paying job for myself where when I really look at my time at the end of the day, if I could leave behind the rent payment for the warehouse where we store our stuff, if I could leave behind the health insurance, I'm making the same as I was for somebody else, but I've got a ton of responsibility. So then a lot of people will end up just saying, "Well, I just have to grow." I just have to, I have to go get another crew, right? I just have to go get more jobs. Uh, I have to, you know, in, in one of the businesses I have retail, um, in the retail business, a lot of folks think, and honestly, we, we made this mistake as well. Um, it was, and more locations will be the answer. And sometimes it is. But what are those things that happen to folks? What, what do they miss? on why that isn't the answer of just getting more crews, just getting more locations, just getting more work. What are they missing as a foundation? I mean, the, the simplest way to put it is, is profitability. It's, it's honestly just profitability. So we did the same thing. So I had two locations in 2019. I, I grew that business fairly quickly. So we, we hit seven figures as a subcontracted labor-only company in under three years. And to be honest, I kind of thought I was like, um, I thought I had like done something significant. Right. Um, and right. I thought I was important and smart and an entrepreneur, right? Right. Um, and so I went and opened a second location a few hours. What I what I what I missed through all of this um was an understanding of the financials behind the business and not just job costing of what had been completed, but strategically planning how much money it actually costs to grow. There's an investment period and a capital need. If you're going to open a second location and double your staff size and double your marketing and double your production, yeah, over five years, you could make a significant profit. But what what gets under um, estimated, if estimated at all, because I honestly didn't estimate it at all at this time, was how much it costs to actually get there. And so right. a lot of business owners run out of capital 
prior to ever actually profiting on the investments that they make in the business because of the mentality that more is better. Right. Yeah, it just doesn't translate out. Well, now now I've got two crews going and installing, so it should be double the profit. Uh, yeah, right? three should like, be triple. It four should be quadruple. But right? yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't always work that way. Um, because and you know, great point where people underestimate the capital required to manage that growth and support uh, that growth that's out there. Um, it can be uh, it can be really tough. So. The one thing that I think has happened, I have had folks question me about this, um, talking about my successes, because I do, I do consulting to other folks, um, both in the furniture and bedding industry and then outside of it. I've actually had some people as of late, and I kind of caught this as a surprise. They've said, well, yeah, it was easy to grow the last few years because of COVID, because of <laughs> all the, all the money being put in people's pockets. It didn't feel easy. I know that much. Um, no, I mean, we did grow. We did grow for sure. Boy, we had to overmanage a hell of a lot. You know, we really had to overmanage customer expectations. We had to overmanage communications. Uh, it seemed like every order you placed, um, you had to juggle. Okay. This item's not in stock. Can we, can we sub this item? You probably dealt a lot with that with building product, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, but I, I want to. We got decimated at the end of 2020. So I love, I love that perspective because okay. if that, if it was easy to grow for some, I take our struggle like five years from now, we're just going to be, we're just going to be on another planet because it wasn't right. easy for us. I got, I got screwed by a client for over a hundred grand on our second mm. location at the end of 2020 because their customers stopped paying. Because as everything tightened up from shipments and supply, once materials stopped showing up, a bunch of builder clients said, we're not releasing funds anymore. We're done. And oh. so at that point, our vendors, one of our, our biggest vendor at the time said, we're done too. We'll pay when we get it. Well, when is that? I have no idea. I'll call you when I feel like it. So my options were wow. Sue. Why was out of money? Out fresh, <laughs> out of money. We were a labor company. Yeah. So we got, we got decimated. I had to shut that branch down. And that's what led to, we're going to go into full retail renovation and scale this thing a profitable, capital-rich way because I'm never going to end up in that spot again. So I, I love that. And you're, yeah, no, I, yes, I love that statement that it was easy to grow. It wasn't. People yeah. just had a lot of money that they didn't usually have. Those people that grew, I think just because their clients had more available cash are going to be wiped in the next 24 months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of folks I found um, kind of lost sight, lost sight of what it meant to offer a good product, a good level of service. Um, really, what it meant to just relate to people in a one-on-one -on -one human level way. Um, and I, you know, I look at it as an example of car dealers. You know what car dealers did throughout that time. You know. Five, ten, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollar market adjustments, um, just because they could. What does that? I mean, you know, typically for years, car dealers didn't make money on cars, right? They made money selling you a car a little bit, paid the overhead to sell you a car, paid the overhead to have a staff there to sell you the car. But the real money comes on servicing. So what does it say to your customer base when you're when you're hammering them for fifteen grand more for a pickup truck? Or ten grand more for a car, just because you can. What does that say about your service department later? I think a lot of people lost sight of that human, that human element, that element of my word is my bond, and they missed it. Uh, I don't disagree. Anything at all. to add there? Yeah, I just I don't. What I think personally is that the repercussions of businesses acting like this are not going to show up for twelve to twenty four months from now. I think that a lot of these businesses, again, I think that a lot of businesses came into a lot of money and came into an opportunity to significantly not just raise their prices to protect their mar their margins, but legitimately gouge clients. Mm -hmm. And and customers know that this happened, right? And I, and I know that it, it's some in some of these scenarios there was no choice for customers who needed to make purchases. Uh, but I think the business owner, the businesses that lost sight of the client experience, I mean, client experience has been the number one driver for retention of clients for the entirety of business. 
this mm-hmm. didn't change just because of a lockdown and some free money. It just didn't. Right. Right. And so maybe again, I think that the the mentality. Look, I'll speak for myself. I I don't even go to the. I get mobile oil change now. Like I get the guy coming wow. to my house. Like that's what. I, like yeah. Well, I I don't. There's no sense for me, um, in supporting certain businesses and certain business models. And the horror stories I hear, you talk about car dealerships specifically, the horror stories I hear about customers bringing their cars in for service and them sitting there for three months because there's no parts. Where do you want to go? Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, not to, not to make this a gripe about car dealer shell, but I'm, I'm in the midst of, uh, uh, I've got a 19 F-150 with the, with the awful 10-speed transmission. And, um, I know why Ford is not handling that in the way that Ford might do, the way that I'm a, tr- the way that I'm a Ford guy for life. Um, you know, my son's first truck was a 95 F-150 that's cherry. And as soon as, as soon as he's out of that truck, it's back to my truck. And the one I have is gone. It might be gone as soon as our, uh, deal ends up in May or our, uh, case gets solved or settled out in May. But, um, I know why they're not handling it the right way. Because there's thousands of cars and trucks parked in a parking lot somewhere across the nation unfinished, you know, and at some point they're going to sell those vehicles and they'll feel good about selling those vehicles, but they'll have lost a customer like me. And I know I'm not alone in that sentiment. Um, so I want to, I, I do want to mix it up with you about customer experience. Cause like when you said that, like five-star customer experience is my jam. It's something I will always, always, always over invest in. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's let's go to the family dynamic of when you have to tell your wife that hey, um, we just got screwed out of six figures worth of cash. How did that go? Sure. Well, give me like a minute or two to go through this, and I'll give you not just the dynamic of what it's like to tell your wife you got screwed, but what it's like to spend three months um, not even knowing how to solve that problem. And so, uh, my wife specifically, uh, my wife's a savage. My wife is a savage. My wife would have gone down there with a lawyer and a baseball bat simultaneously. And whatever, whatever worked faster would, would have, have been, been the route she would have taken. Yeah. I learned more through this experience, I think, than I learned at any other point in my entire business career um, because I never did anything like that. I never, I never burned a bridge my entire entrepreneurship career. And, and funny enough, fast track three years, I haven't even, still haven't burned this bridge. They've actually ended up paying us back a significant portion of the money. And so okay. right, wrong, I don't know. But um, I think, I think the, I think I failed in this scenario with my wife significantly because, um, man, I didn't have... I didn't have the help and guidance that I needed to solve this problem. This was before this was the this was the catalyst that led me to start down the coaching and consulting route for myself. Not to coach other people. This is what led me down the route to hire coaching and consulting because I didn't know what to do. I was mm-hmm. lost and I was scared and to be honest, like my wife was my biggest supporter, but there's only so long you can watch your husband be scared and lost and depressed and anxious before you start to get pissed and frustrated. Right. And expect him to act like a man and a business owner and, and a leader and show up. And, and I thank God for her daily. But during this scenario, she was probably my biggest point of frustration because every day she wanted to hold me accountable to doing something, fixing the problem, moving in the right direction. And I was scared. And I'm so, so grateful for her because she's always been my biggest supporter. But through this, like, she like I remember her saying, like, I don't care if we lose the business and the money, but you need to stand up for yourself and do something. And if you've never been royally screwed in business, you've never gone through that moment of like, like we've all had our confrontations and we've all had our negotiation. But if you've never been royally effed, I mean, really, um, you've never experienced what that feels like to stand up to what seems like a, a, a monster, yeah. a monster of a, uh, of a conflict. And so what that was like was awful, but it changed my life for the better. Um, it made me a better leader, a better husband, a better father. And it made me commit to myself that nothing like that, I will probably get screwed again because I plan on being in business for the rest of my life, but I will never handle it um, 
that way ever again, at least not that slowly. I may feel some right. pain for, for a little while, but I will never, um, I will never falter as a husband, father, and leader because somebody else, I will never give somebody that much power over me ever again. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That makes sense. Never. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Never giving somebody that much power over me ever again. I love that. You know, we, um, I had a, uh, a, a client, a customer in the retail business reach out. Um, you know, we have, we have tons of different offers out there at any given time, right? You know, that the retail business is a, is a mattress store, mattress retail business in Lancaster, PA. And, um, you know, we have any number of offers out there because we have a big marketing machine. You know, that offer might be out there in the newspaper. It might be on television. It might be on social media. It might be, it might be something that it, it is out there because you're a customer of ours for two years now. And, you know, we routinely will have folks reach out and after buying, but before delivery in the home, they'll, they'll reach out and say, hey, you know, hey, I'd like to be eligible for this offer. I'd like to be eligible for that offer. You need to give me this. Um, and, and, you know, we'll always look to do the right thing. You know, we always want to make sure our customers get any and every available, proper and appropriate discount that they're deserving of. Um, but what we won't do, and I'm proud to say is we won't just because you whine and complain enough, we won't go and break our values because we pride ourselves on if I lay out 10 different invoices for 10 different customers for the same one item, I want everybody to feel really good about looking to their left and right and saying, well, you paid, you paid like within pennies of what I paid and for so sure. on and so forth. Cause in, in, in that industry, it's, it's strife with the, you know, the let's make a deal, uh, uh, way of selling. And it's just, it's just like we have in our sales language, uh, in the store, when people start to hammer on price, we say, listen, how, how good of a negotiator do you think you are today versus tomorrow versus yesterday? <laughs> if three people buy this mattress today, are you going to be the one that got the best deal or the third worst deal? Which one do you want to be? And how do you know? Isn't it better just knowing we work together in a fourth rate manner? Right. And, and that's the way that. we, right. That's the way we approach things. Um, but, but yeah, I don't like when, when, when people try to take power over a relationship, it's a little different in that way, um, that I just expressed, but yeah, a hundred grand overhead, big number. I think the biggest takeaway anybody listening and watching could hear from that would be to say, you took three months. All right. You know, whatever. Um, but you realize the answer wasn't within yourself. Yep. You realize the answer was, I got to go get expert advice into my business. So walk us through what that was like a little bit. So you reached out, did you connect with Mike right away or, or what did that look like? No. So, um, but you're a hundred percent right. It was, I don't, I had this like awakening moment of, I don't know what I don't know. And like, and I know that sounds so silly and so simple, but it really was like an epiphany for me. See, up to that point, our first five or six years in business, I, I don't want to say I did everything right because I didn't, but the first five years came kind of easy, to be honest. The, the market where I am was great for what I was offering. I was really, yep. really good at it. I was phenomenal at training people. It was easy. And I didn't know it that it was easy while I was doing it until I walked down this other more difficult road, but it was easy. And I said, man, I just don't know. And what I did was I just did a Google search for business coaching. I had seen, so I've been following all the standards, the Andes, the Eds, the, the Gary V's, the, you know, I, um, I wasn't in any masterminds yet, but I did, I followed some people. I listened to real business owners podcasts. So I heard them talk about, you know, the different masterminds and stuff. And I just did a Google search for, for business coaching and I found a local group. Um, they're called Vistage. And yep, they meet at like a, yep, Vistage was my first introduction to a quote unquote mastermind, which is a monthly in-person meetup and a business coach. And it was amazing. I'll never forget walking into that room for the first time. Like, dude, I was sweating and nervous and scared. And I opened my mouth and I introduced myself and I told the, the blunt, honest truth. Cause I was like, man, if they're going to kick me out later, I'd rather get kicked out now. Cause I probably don't deserve to be here. No. Um, and I told the, the, the God's honest truth about what was going on in my business. And I was afraid I was going to lose it. And I didn't really know what to do, but I'm spending 
the money I have to get the help and education I need to, to solve this thing and hopefully grow this business. And um, man, that group, like really that group of, of business owners rallied around me and helped me. Um, but that's what led to, they were, they were a lot older than I was at the time, a lot more experience, much, much bigger businesses. And that's what led me down the path of searching for some online masterminds. That's what led me to meeting Mike. That's what led me to the champion circle where I hired them at the end of 2021. And um, that level of one-on-one -on -one intensive coaching, that's really what changed everything for me. That Vistage was a, was a perfect launching pad for me. But when I joined Mike's, uh, when I hired WinRate to coach me and join the champion circle, um, that's when everything really, really lifted off because the offer that Mike's company has is so individualized to the client. Mm -hmm. I just got so much help so fast. Like yeah. every issue I needed to solve, that team just rallied around me, my coach, and it just helped me solve it. And I just, that was just like a, a rocket trajectory. I had everything I needed inside of me. I just needed some guidance and some education. I had everything yeah. I needed to do the work. I just didn't know what work to do. I had no right. idea. Right. Well, and you know, you said something when you, when, you know, the, the last few minutes you, you, you started off with, I didn't know what I didn't know. And a lot of folks, I should, I try not to use like absolute language. I guess a lot of folks is, is closer to absolute language than not. I should say some, right? And, sure. And, you know, a little pro tip when you're debating with people, uh, especially on social media, try to use words like some, you know, at times, don't use every, just for what it's worth, you know, because, cool. because people, take well, people take personal insult to it, right? Well, and listen, I said that, I did that in, last in night. I was talking to my wife. I was talking to my wife last night and I said, I don't have to deal with that ever. And I, I, got, I got a little reamed out because the truth was I do have to deal with that once in a while. And she right. was like, you said ever. That's an absolute, that's not true. And there was, you go. Right. I was like, ah, you're, you're so right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, little pro tip, you know, for social media, a little pro tip for when you're trying to express yourself to contemporaries and peers, uh, even to your, even with your employees. Right. Mm, yeah. You know, cause you might, you might go and alienate and this isn't the point I was trying to make. We'll get back to it in a minute, but you might just go and alienate the people that really are in your corner that are, you know, realizing, you know, okay, you got a point to make. You're, you're disappointed in something that's happening. You got a couple of bad apples in the bunch, but you're speaking to the whole bunch and, and you might alienate the good ones by using that, that language in which you're pointing the finger at them and they don't deserve it. So, and be careful well, saying this will never happen again when you're talking right. about business issues or a client frustration or a confrontation in, because you really, it, it very well may. It, like, yes. Well, if it's happened once and you don't have the right system to fix it, it's going to happen again. It's, yeah. it's just all there is to it. What's up, Slaymaker tuning in? Good to see you. Kyle, my man. Um, so, so you started out with a few minutes back. I don't know what I don't know. And where we went down the little pro tip of, of languaging to not assign it a, a bad habit or, or, um, the condition to everybody is some people just stay within and, and their ego, their pride, I guess, just won't allow them to admit I'm failing at this part of my business. Yeah. You know, kind of like, like you laid it out on the table in that first Vistage meeting. And I mean, again, that's really powerful and it shows the quality of a person. That you are to be, cause you know, I've been in those groups. I've run those groups and in running those groups, I always say to, them, to the people that I'm working with, look, come here with a sense of vulnerability. Come here with a sense of giving and sharing and come here with a sense of openness because you're here to improve. And if we can't build on success or we can't fix what's wrong, that improvement's not going to happen. But that, that vulnerability and that ability to say, I don't know what I don't know is really great. Um, what other qualities do you see from people, you know, who can, let's talk about the mastermind concept because that's something else that I, that's like one of the number one things that I attribute to my success is being part of mastermind groups, um, both as a member and leading them. Um, what are some other good qualities that you've seen of, of business leaders where they can set themselves up for success, fix their problems and grow their business to new levels? I think um, putting the 
humility to the side because we just discussed that basically, right? That vulnerability stems from humility and just understanding like I'm a human being just like the guy next to me who's doing 100x the revenue that I am and just like the guy on the other side of me who's who, who did 25 grand last year in a side hustle. I'm just a human being. And right. we all have the same problems. I think um, characteristic-wise, the people who are able to um, the people who are able to take their own failures on the chin and use them as learning lessons and not as excuses to sink and sulk and complain, and the, uh, the, that the same the same person that can acknowledge when they are winning, because one of the things that I see so frequently that I I, I constantly try when I open up coaching calls with my clients, the first thing that we do ninety percent of the time. Um, is I want one professional and one personal win. I just want I, I want I want to segue into our call, and, and you'd be shocked how often I get. Well, I don't I don't know. I'm like, cool. Run me through your day yesterday. Forty seven wins in there, and so the most successful people that I see in the masterminds are the people that can share about their failures, acknowledge them in real time, use them as learning lessons, not assign them and label them as bad and negative and problems, but at the same time, be able to acknowledge where they're winning. I'm winning at my family. I'm, I'm winning in the gym. I'm winning with my food choices right now. I'm winning with my sleep schedule. I'm winning with my health. That I'm winning by reading this book. I'm winning with my wife on weekly date. And the people that can acknowledge that the little things that we do on a daily basis are more important wins than how much you sold last month how much money you put into your bank account. Those are the people that I see much more successful than most. Hmm. Yeah, that's, it's so funny that acknowledging, I mean, first, you know, there, there is a, you know, you expressed it going into that, that your first Vistage meeting, that fear of, man, these guys are going to eviscerate me. <laughs> coming in, I got problems. They don't want to hear about problems. You know, that's a more natural uh, thought pattern, I think for people than it is to acknowledge their wins. And it's so, that that dynamic is so interesting today because we have social media that, you know, has spun our society in this sick, twisted way that everybody's just winning. But Everybody but you. Right. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, 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 but yet, if you as that person wants to celebrate a win, meaning... You've spent a week focused, dialed in on that sleep schedule. You're feeling better than ever. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you read two books this week and you, have, you didn't read two books in the last five years. Saying that out loud, you feel you're going to get like shouted down. Yeah, because um, yeah, I'm just catching up with what Kyle put on the screen. And just as a little aside, if you're listening to this on audio, we do stream this live on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So at times we reference things on the screen. One of uh, our friends and fan of the show, Kyle Slaymaker, um, you know, celebrating wins uh, goes with the right discussion. Um, and and it, it is a good discussion to have. It is okay to celebrate. And you don't have to feel that you're being egotistical about it. That's, I guess, my point. I completely agree. I actually think that it's more egotistical to assume that nobody cares and that it's not a win. Mm. I think it's more egotistical to assume that it has to be some massive, great, grand thing because nobody actually cares. And so right. like the the point from my perspective, the thing that changed my life here was that winning is defined by me and me alone. It yep. doesn't matter what you think, what you feel. And then to take that a layer deeper, you don't think or feel anything about it. You don't care. I, You're not here when I tuck my kids in. You're not here when I put my phone up on the nightstand by seven. You're not here when I go to the gym. You're not here when I make those choices. Those are the wins. Yep. It's easy to like shout the revenue and the sales and the business and this and that and the travel from the rooftops, but they don't, they're, they're, they're dopamine hits. They're fleeting. They're quick. Right. They, they feel good, but they're fast fleeting where the serotonin comes in is all the little stuff. That's the lasting joy. That's the right. real win for me, for me. Yeah. 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 Kyle, Kyle says he's going to share the hell out of this episode. Kyle, appreciate that so much. Thank you. You're the man, That's Kyle. A win. That's a win for me right there. Appreciate that. You know, I do this show to help people get closer to doing life and business on their terms. And, you know, I think let, let's talk about defining what winning looks like for you. I'll start for me. Like one of the things for me, uh, a win for me is not going to be a Lambo. You know, first of all, I'm a bigger guy. 
All right. I'm always going to be a bigger guy. I don't really fit in those cars well. I'm not comfortable. All right. And I said, I'm going to be a bigger guy because I'm just, I'm just broad. I mean, I'm just like, you know, Dude, I'm I a got 56 you. coat. You know, I'm a 56 coat up here and there's just not a lot of fat up here. Now in the belly, there is, but that's another thing. Um, but like for me, it's not a Lambo. What for me it is, is it's the 1974 Ford F-250 Bigfoot truck. That's my go. big, that's my car. That's my win. And that's cool. You know, and, and a lot of folks say, well, you know, man, what I'm seeing out there is you got to have the big flashy house. You got to have the cars. You got to have the vacations, all this good stuff. You know, for my life, you know, the beach vacations don't work for my wife. She has a mess. Being out in the hot sun doesn't work for us. We're going to ruin that week just because the way the heat affects her well-being and she just wears her down. Yeah. So you're never going to see me flashing out on the beach. You'll see me hanging out at our great campsite, defining our own wins. So what are some of your, what are some of your uh, big goals and, and wins that you're, that you're working towards? Well, I'll, I'll just share like a real world example from this past weekend. And so last week, and even coming into this week, my schedule was super, there's been a lot going on in my life. Nothing bad. But increased responsibilities, a growing business, growing coaching client base, growing podcast, uh, growing leadership opportunities, speaking, a book that's coming out in the next month or two. And, and I, at the end of last week, my daughter, who's 13, started asking me if I was okay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Now, my daughter, my daughter is probably next to my wife, probably the most in tune human being to how I'm doing. She's been this way since she was little. I don't know what that is. I'm going to call that God's gift to me, right? And, and, and vice versa, hopefully. And on Saturday, on Saturday afternoon, right before I left for the gym, so I work out every Saturday afternoon, she gave me a hug and she said, are you still anxious? And I said, no, why, why do you ask? She said, I heard you on the phone yesterday. You were telling somebody that you had been anxious. And I just wanted to let you know that I'll take that from you today. Mm. And she held me 13. So I sat there for a moment and I said, Hey, when I get back from the gym, do you want to load up in the car and take the dogs to the beach for the night and just take the whole night and just walk and see the sunset? She was like, yeah, I do. That's a fucking win for me. That right there trumps every private jet vacation house car. And don't get me wrong. I like nice things and I am distracted by them in my head easily. If I go down that rabbit hole, that gets a lot of us, but that right there, that is a win for me. Do you know how many men would kill to have an experience like that with their 13 year old daughter right now? I know a lot. I know a a lot lot of parents. Yeah. A lot. A lot of parents on a Saturday, pull their kid away from a screen, pull their kid away from hanging out with other friends, doing a sleepover. You know, when that child makes priority number one and is in tune, as you said, to the way dad's feeling, that's yeah. uh, that's a win for sure. That's, so that's what, that's how I Powerful define man. winning. Yeah, that's how I define winning. And the big win to like push that is obviously the way that I'm living my life has affected her positively to have that experience. Yep. Does that make sense? So like even to zoom out, it's like, okay, like she's paying attention to how I treat people, how I love people, how I love myself, what I need, what she needs. I mean, she's 13, you know, now today she could hate me. I don't know. She'd come home from her thing later. (laughs) Who knows? But that to me is the win. That's, that's the stuff right there. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, nothing's going to remove that moment in time from your relationship with your daughter. Nothing. Yeah. It's Tuesday. Um, I'm still right. reeling in it. If I had flown right. on a private jet that day to some fancy place and come back Sunday, it wouldn't, it's, it would mean nothing to me today on Tuesday. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. Really am. Um, and I don't, uh, in any way, shape or form, I have two, two, two teenage boys, 19 and 15. We're a little further along with our children. Um, <clears throat> we're kind of like in this empty nest. My wife and I kind of feel like we're in this empty nest role, you know, the, the, the oldest one, he's starting off in the workforce. So he's working full time. He kind of comes and goes as he needs to because that's what he's doing. And then the youngest one's uh, working part time. He's into sports and weightlifting and the gym. And so he's got school on top of all that. So we're kind of in the, like, like our family's kind of 
re-engineering what our family looks like now. And we're, mm. we're kind of focusing back in on that Sunday rule of, you know, everybody's around after five o'clock because we're going to be together. Yeah. And throughout the week, we kind of all got to spread because we're busy. But that Sunday afternoon at five, we're going to, we're going to work to be together because it's important uh, for us and it's important for our sons. And, and I, I see a change in them when we commit to that. So that's, I'm happy for your family. And I don't, uh, raising a teenage daughter in this day and age is not easy. Not easy at all. So no, I mean, really, to me, that's another win. When you've got a level-headed child, um, that's a win. Yeah, we're actively competing with the world for, Boy, for attention, for educating her, for, for, for truth. We are actively competing with the world. But I take moments like that as the win to show me that e even in the moments where it's tough, we're obviously winning. By the metrics that are important, we're winning. And then like to, 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 to zoom it out a little bit, like I have something called the championship day. It's something like all of our coaching clients, like we, we really encourage this and it's just, it's seven things. Could be three to seven, mine's seven. Seven items I accomplish every single day that are fully in my control. Reading, right. exercise. Um, currently there's a, uh, uploading a photo to Google my business because daily posting on there is really good for marketing right now. So I just, that's just part of my championship day, intentional yep. time with my kids, a thoughtful message to my wife and an encouraging text to my leadership staff. That's my championship day. I just hit those every single day. If everything else goes wrong, I got those seven things done. You cannot take my, my day away from me. You don't right. have the power anymore. Man, I hope people just heard that. Like really, I, like I want to re, kind of like do, 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 rewind the tape, and I don't know if that's the sound anymore or not digitally or whatever, but uh, or if it ever was the sound for we rewinding a tape. But like what you just said, there's seven things. No matter how crappy the day goes, um, you know, the countertop, granite countertop shows up. You got to lay it down. It cracks and falls apart. Right? I'm sure, you've probably had that happen or something close to it. Some crazy stuff happens. Your day is in control and the people around you are watching how you respond to it. That's correct. So maybe in that moment of something breaking or factory sent the wrong color, whatever, the, the resolve of your leadership is still there. Yeah. And that's powerful. Yeah. It so, affects people. We affect yeah. people. We do. Yeah. Um, your mastermind, because this is, uh, this is right at the forefront of my mind right now, uh, for things that I'm doing. Um, for those that don't know what a mastermind is, uh, let, let's give what your definition, like what's it look like with your clients? So, you know, the original definition, I, and I, I don't know if, I don't know how far back you've gone on like researching the mastermind as in total, but I've, what it, what probably you're aware of this. Um, yeah, I've gone back. I'm, I'm a purist. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So you're right. It's supposed to be a room of collect, to put this simply, a room of collective thinking, collective mm -hmm. thought, right? That's what a mastermind by definition is supposed to be. So I only say that to clarify. There are some networking groups that call themselves masterminds. It's not exactly a mastermind. It's more of right. a networking group. Some networking groups have levels that have masterminds at higher levels and networking at lower levels. There's all kinds of things. But but I'm kind of a purist when I discuss what a mastermind is, and I, I believe it is a group, um, and I believe it is an intimate-sized group, so not a room of 350 people. My, my personal preference is 12, but I think up to 20 is doable if led properly. Mm -hmm. In-person, um, collective thinking and collective problem-solving, where we are leaning on the collective experience of the other people in the group. And to make decisions, solve problems, and 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 grow, really. Yeah. So so for us, like we have at WinRate, we have two levels. We have the Champion Circle, which has your one-on-one coaching, and then quarterly events, where it's a two-day group like that, maxed at right now thirty-five people. We have two of these going. Right. We had so many clients that we had we had to go two groups because we didn't want seventy people in the room. We knew that was too much. Yeah, that's so a rough rough way to run a true mastermind. Right. And so, and this is, this is kind of a combination. I wouldn't even say it's a true mastermind. It's really more tactical, educational networking, a little bit of, we do breakout sessions to try to encourage the masterminding, um, uh, aura, 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the level above that, we have Hall of Fame. And that is, that is maxed at 20 people in person monthly. And that is truly an eight-hour day monthly, more like how Vistage runs, but less with the structure and more with some tactical educational, but some real discussion problem solving. And when you get in the right room of people, and I don't care, you don't have to call it a mastermind, you don't have to call it anything. If you get in the right room with, with, with smart uh, people who like to serve and help and think and grow, who have core values and integrity, your, your entire life changes. Would you agree with that? Like, oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I mean, the power of... I mean, there's a lot to unpack with what you just shared there about your beliefs and what a mastermind is and what it's not. I don't get, you know, I say I'm a purist, but I don't get hung up personally. I'm not saying that you do. Um, I don't get hung up on how the word is used, how it's applied to other groups and other herds of people and, 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 and others. It doesn't bother me because I know what it, what it is and, and the power of what it is when done right. Um, you know, so. For me, like, I love that structure you laid down, but, you know, when you're 20 people and it was your Hall of Fame group that come once a month, amongst their peers, just the fact that those 20 business owners are doing that monthly, I would venture a guess they are the dominant players in their marketplace by simply that one action. 100%. Because once a month, they are focused on business growth and on solving the big problems. They're not, yes. they're not hung up on what competitor B is doing. Oh, they copied our offer. Look at that ad in the newspaper. Or they copied what we're doing on social. They, you know, we do a fun video. They do a fun video. They're not thinking at that level. They're thinking at other levels. No, that's, that's pure scarcity thinking. I want you to, by the time you're done copying what I've done, I've already moved on to the next thing. It doesn't matter. Faster than you copy. That's correct. You take whatever you want. By the time you see it, have the time to copy it and implement it, I'm so far past that it doesn't even matter. Have it. I want everybody to be successful. I don't care. I, and I, I, you know, I'm really fortunate because I've had this mentality, I think for the entirety of my business career, but like there is more business and money available than there are people out there trying to get it. It's all good. There's an abundant amount of work for everybody. And, you know, not to take a turn, a right turn towards politics, but we're just printing more money, right? (laughs) They print new money every day. They sure do. Now, now we say that jokingly, it's a very serious, serious issue, but until it becomes a very serious issue, they're printing more money every day. So yep. to be scarce about money is really kind of silly because they just keep printing more and more. Look at you. If you keep cash in your wallet, I guarantee you, you've, you're constantly like putting bills in between your fingers to make sure you don't give two 20s away when you meant to give one, right? Yeah. Because they're stuck together because the brand new crispy. Guarantee yeah. it. I saw a lot of that the last couple of years um, in retail business for sure. Yeah, that, that is just a scarcity, total scarcity mindset. Um when people are worried about those low-level problems and they're stuck in the business. They're not working on that business. Yeah. And I think that's where getting into coaching groups like like what you're doing with WinRate, you know, the things that I do with the folks I help. And, and, you know, you don't have to work with Sam. You don't have to work with me. But you should work with somebody. Yeah, you should. For the, you know, for what, for, for the reasons that, you know, Sam shared. Like he's staring down the barrel of a $100,000 problem, a real $100,000 problem. Problem being not in his bank account. <laughs> and no, no, uh, visible route to get it there. Either. Right. And, and then on top of it, a don't call me, we'll call you, uh, attitude about it, which, which I'm sure magnified and intensified the problem. It was a little stressful. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's yeah. funny though, with the right education and, and guidance, I could, um, I could acquire a thousand dollars in about 24 hours now if I needed to. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that existed for business owners when this happened to me. I had no idea what credit lines were. And I didn't have a great relationship with a local bank and bank. I didn't know these things were were accessible to me. I got into coaching. I got into a group. I learned all of this. I got all, and now all of a sudden we have the relationships necessary to to actually like lead a business. Even if we encounter, not if, when we encounter problems. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's another big one, you know. Um, 
it's very tactical, but yeah, work the relationship before you need it. Yeah. Build the circle before you got to jump into it. Yes. You know, and, and maybe you're, you know, I think honestly, I think the greatest thing you could do as a leader is build an incredible circle of people who you're the figurehead or you're wanting everybody to win around you, but you actually never need to lean into those people for help. Yeah. I think that could be possibly the greatest thing you could do as a leader of people, of businesses, whatever. Now, I guess I would imply you're, you're living a perfect life, which I don't think could actually happen. But I think the point still stands. Like, keep building those relationships even when you don't need them because it's yeah. really a selfless thing to do. Well, yeah, and I think, I think there's, there's levels to that. So I, I, I have a circle or two where I am the leader with the relationships and my yeah, role point. is to help people, but there's really nothing that the people there have to offer me in value necessarily other than allowing me to serve them because I get a lot out of that. And then I'm in other circles where I don't have a whole ton to offer that circle, but they are right. pouring into me and it kind of just levels up. And You know what I mean? So I think you can do both. Yeah. It's yep. And I, I Yes, and I, 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 I live that way too. One of the groups I'm in, I'm the, I'm the small fish in a very big pond. Yep, you know? I've got one or and, two of those too. And yeah, and you know, I guess that would be another thing too. Like, if you're looking to hire and work with somebody in in coaching and looking to help you um, grow your business, I think it's a very reasonable question to ask of that person. Well, what are your spheres of influence? You know, mm -hmm. what ponds do you swim in? Yes, not. Not as a question of, I should maybe go check those out, but a question of, is your learning constant? Are you consistently growing? Because yes. if that coach isn't consistently growing, there is, a, there is a finite amount of input they'll probably be able to give you that has uh, a return, right? Because yes, years one evolves, things become new, things become old. Information changes so fast now that I think it's, unless your coach or mentor is some 87-year-old trillionaire that just just knows what's up, like, I, you know what I mean? And I right. don't think anybody that we know has that situation going on. Right. Yeah, I would make sure your coach is getting, uh, maybe, I, I'm a big fan of my coach being coached, but I'm also understanding that not all coaches have coaches in the general or 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 old-fashioned sense, but I would make sure that your coach is, is getting continuing education on business, entrepreneurship, information, money, whatever it is that you're after. I also like, if you are, I joined Vistage and I joined what, what I could barely afford. So I didn't necessarily, and this is why, like, I'm grateful how this, I'm grateful I didn't meet Mike at that time in my life because it would have been so far out of my, my comfort zone and my right. realistic ability to afford that, that I, I would have been like, oh, wow, coaching's too much for me. And I was right. glad that my intro to it was a much lower cost local. And so I'm not like deterring you from, from hitting up win rate. We'd love to work with you, maybe if we're a good fit. But what I'm saying is like, I think something is better than nothing if you need to step ladder that up. Just just right. do something. Get I, I promise you the guy... The, the group for 500 bucks a month still knows more than you currently know collectively. There is yeah. something to learn there. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, it's the, it's the old adage, the hardest part is the start. Yes. Right? You know, so you swim in this pond for a little bit. You, you might plug those leaky holes in the bucket that are really problematic, kind of like big, hairy problems right in front of you right now. You plug those, you kind of extract, you get from that group what it can give you. Um, and now you see something else, another opportunity to expand that growth. So you go swim over there and, and things like that are perfectly fine. And quite honestly, a good coach should realize when, when a relationship has kind of reached that point of, of service or reached a point of, you know, okay, yeah, they could stick around, but I, I want them, I want them to continue to grow. You know, maybe it is time that they move on, you know, um, you know, the little league coach doesn't, doesn't hold back a kid that can actually move up to the paid pro travel team, right? Yes. They should want, they, they, if that kid's got talent, commitment, doing the right things, doesn't have the diva attitude, that coach should actually be pushing that family into that opportunity. Yeah. Right? And, and for, for two reasons. One, if you're truly in it to serve and that's what's best for the client, you, you, you push them. And then two, yep. there's another, 
there's another human behind that human that needs your help that you the door has not been open yet because you're you're locked up on your schedule or your current like work. There's it's I don't want to use the term revolving door, but I want to say like endless opportunity for humans to help humans. And so when you help them grow, you've got to push them. I don't want anybody to stay with me longer than I'm able to serve them. I want them to go. There is another level for me and then another level from that guy, another level from that guy. Like yeah. I don't ever, I don't even ever want to be the pinnacle of anything. I like being a level and then getting to move a level. You know what? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. oh no, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent, yeah. man. hundred percent. Um, we can't end this without talking about customer experience because, you know, with your primary business, um, on the level bath, on the level bathroom and kitchen, correct? We've had on the kitchen. screen a couple of times. Kitchen and bath. I would like to, s- you know, kitchen kitchens. Yeah. We like the kitchens more than the bathroom. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what a fun business, right? Like, so we're both, we're both. Did you say fun? Is that the word sure. that you chose? Oh, sure. Okay. I, th- I was just, I clarifying. think it is. I think it is. Well, here, here's why I say that. I think it is because, you know, your, your clients, when the job's done, uh, they might have a little party at home and like kick off celebrating the new kitchen, right? Because it looks your amazing. Your clients might too. Well, yeah, my only <laughs> a subset of subset of subset of my clients have a party in the bedroom. Right, right. You know, you know the upside down pineapple people. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, like my thing, we don't celebrate. It's, it's a real personal achievement. It's a personal uh, purchase. Because um, you just don't, you know, the, we joke about it, but the reality is you just don't invite people into your bedroom because it is, it is your private space. Right. Um, which does frame some of our experience. Like I remind our team, look, we are doing business in people's bedrooms. And it's a funny thing to say that way. It's a funny thing to say at a networking event. Yeah, I'm the guy, I do business in your bedroom. Um, I help improve people's lives. Uh, I sell mattresses, but the reality is we do all that. And there is a level of respect that has to come with it. But, uh, from the experience perspective, what are some things that you've done to really dial that up? Because it's an yeah. evolved project in the home, right? It is. So if you look at if you look at the entirety of the customer's journey with us, it can be up to a year. For the sales, the sales cycle on a kitchen is roughly ninety days at its lowest, just to close the deal from start of measure to closing the deal. That relationship's already three months in. If the deal closes. Wow. You're two to three months from start. Materials come in, pre-production walks. You're at six months right there. You're at, you're at five or six weeks to complete a smaller job. You're up to 12 on a bigger job. You're looking at a potential 12-month relationship with our team and not just one member, but sales team. And then we have our client experience manager who handles the post-sale pre-production start. Then it goes to the project manager who handles in-production. Then you've got warranty on the back end I say all that to say that the thing that has really, I think, from my perspective with our clients, created the client experience that we have now is the um, the harmony of how we speak, um, communicate, uh, uh, distribute information, show up to houses is so succinct between the different departments and team members that what the client gets is the same thing over and over and over and over. And what that is, we can call that branding if you want to. That's a that's a yep. pretty simple way to put that. But we've branded ourselves as um, champions of client experience with clients. And we did that because we screwed it up. Like construction is notorious for like, thank you for the money. Maybe I'll come back. We never didn't come back. But because the customer mindset is, you have no idea how many customers we go to the measure and they're like, hey, full transparency, we just got robbed for $40,000. We're suing that contractor. We do want to do this, but we're a little timid. So like bear with us if yep. we're if we're scared, rude, like I would say 50% of our estimates are a are a customer who got robbed from a contractor. Wow. And so what we're what we're fighting, it's an upstream battle, honestly, yep. with to to create a good experience. And so what we did was our sales process is super involved, communicative, and transparent. Then we, I hired a, uh, I created a role called client experience manager. So right after the job closes, following day, Brittany calls. Hey, I'm Brittany. I'm also the one who scheduled your initial appointment. I am now your point of contact. You will get weekly calls from me between now and the start of your project to update you on materials coming in, your start date, your project manager assignments. This, what's a good day and time for me to call every single week? We just keep communication 
Because what happens yeah. is, imagine you give me $50,000 down for a $100,000 mm-hmm. job and you don't hear from me for three months. Even if yeah. I show up on time on the day I was supposed to, how do you feel about me? Not so yeah, good. You're, you're, you're torqued up as a, as a customer. And then, and then if, you know, I'm thinking at the time our roof got hail damage. Um, you know, we had, uh, we had a, a very good, well-presented company, Calm Door Knock, right? And we signed the deal. And, but then the crew that showed up was like opposite, you know, looked, looked like a bunch of felons, just didn't present well. I, I swore yep. the truck was going to break down parked on the street. You know, it just was like, it was rough. It was rough. So I love how you use that word harmony. Jana tuned in. She said the same thing. Harmony is a powerful concept. I love that. You know, um, we actually just had a little bit of that happen in the retail business. We had a customer who has been a longtime customer of ours. Um, she was surprised we had to, we had to hire a temp helper because we're, you know, hiring people now is, is difficult <laughs> and we want to find the right person. And again, I'll say it, we do business in people's bedrooms. I have to be very cautious who we yeah. put in people's homes. You do too, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, uh, you know, somebody says, Hey, uh, I had a thousand dollars on the nightstand. Mm-hmm. It's gone. You know, so we, there's a lot of things we do, uh, on the regular to, to keep everybody honest in that way. And I would never hire anybody I don't have trust in, but that harmony thing just so resonated with me because especially with a 12 month cycle, I've never done yeah. it. I, I did my own kitchen cause I'm handy like that, but, um, it still took a lot of time, but, uh, 12 months is, it really surprised me. So kudos to you for like lining that all up. Well, and that's where I, th- I think people get surprised because like you have to look at it from the entirety of the relationship with the company. When people think like, I'm going to do my kitchen, you think of the six weeks of production, but you don't think about the sales cycle, the design process, the pre-production, yeah. the post-production, the warranty, the year walk later that we want to make sure nothing's falling apart from our manufacturers. Like there's so much, it's so much. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many opportunities of, well, who's who or what is in your customer's ear that could shift the dynamic, shift the way they feel about this process with you? Well, you know? everything, everything about our industry. And I'm in retail. So actually, I also own a flooring store. So I have the retail side of things too, which is the which is almost the polar opposite. Not not in the need for client experience, but it's such a transactional developing the relationship, which is still necessary, is hard because you've got about 48 seconds to do it. And if you yep. don't nail it on the retail side quickly, you yep. that customer walks right to the other store across the street. Where the kitchen, we actually get, we actually, I think we win so frequently there because we actually do get the gift of more time to build the relationship. Does that make sense? Oh, no, 100%. I, I was just going to add that, um, you know, our mission uh, is to change the way our customers feel about mattress stores in that business, mm. right? Very simple mission, very simple statement. But when you really begin to think about it, I can challenge my team. I can challenge my delivery team um, to say, is what we're doing today living up to that statement? We know how they operate, right? You know how your competitors operate. Mm. You know, half of them are not good at all, right? I mean, yeah. I guess we could call them criminals if you're going to just take people's money and not show up. Um, mm-hmm. I said it, not you. <laughs> I just made a noise in the microphone. I didn't say anything. <laughs> that could have been, I bumped my knee at, at just the right time. Maybe right? I did. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the reality is when you, when you really think about what your mission is and then your actions back it up, life becomes so much easier with your customers and clients. You're so right. And you hit that harmony point. Man, this has been a lot of fun. I think we're right at the top of, we are right at the top of the hour. It went by fast. Yeah, this was cool. I, Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, man, I appreciate your time. We've have we have all your contact info on in the show notes, um, so people are able to see that on um, on the show notes. Whether you're listening or watching, we've been flashing on the screen. But well, how do people get out to you, connect with you if they're just listening on audio and they might not get back to the show notes? Yeah, uh, Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn at Sam Kaufman Official. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. All right. Very good. And then you can connect with him in all the different ways. Anything that resonated with you with Sam and I certainly gave you a lot that you should uh, been able to connect and resonate on. Uh, certainly reach out to Sam. He's one of the good ones out there. 
Man, I appreciate you being on the show with me and, and giving a lot of great insights to the listeners. Thanks for taking the time, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next week on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Have a great week. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what isn't possible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today, where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live. Thank you.